Hey everyone, welcome to episode 11 of Conversations That Don't Suck. I am really excited and nervous to record this episode because today we're doing something a little different. We're doing a solo cast where I'm not going to be having a conversation with anyone. It's just me and I'm going to be talking to you about one of my favorite topics, which is heartbreak. And uh, yeah, those who know me well know that I really love to talk about heartbreak, not in that it well, let me rephrase that. I like to talk about heartbreak when I'm not going through it. And <laughs> when I am, it's usually just a little bit harder. Um, but yeah, heartbreak for me is is one of the most important experiences I think that we get to go through as human beings. And for me, I know it's it's definitely been the most profound teacher in my life. Heartbreak and death, I would say, are the most profound teachers in my life. And uh, heartbreak is is like death in many ways. So I'm going to be talking to all of you about it. And I don't have much of an agenda, except that I am going to be sharing some writing that I've been doing over the last few months. And people in my personal life know that I'm a big poetry writer. And poetry has become a really huge part of my life since a certain special roommate moved in with me uh, about two years ago who also writes poetry, and uh, we started hosting an open mic at our house, um, which we've been doing for, I don't know, for almost two years now, every month, and yeah, that's been a place for me to, to share my poetry and something that's been a really beautiful outlet for me, creative outlet, and uh, I'll also give a separate shout out to a different friend, Kelly. Kelly, I don't know if you listen to my podcast at all, but if you are, hi. Yeah, gosh, years ago, this was also probably around that same time the open mic started like about two years ago I was going through a really hard time and I was texting with my friend Kelly and she said like have you considered writing poetry about it and I was like "Mm, no that's stupid and uh I sat down to write a poem anyway and it just like flowed out of me and I realized I was like fuck I think I'm kind of good at this and I think I really like doing it and uh it's yeah just been a regular part of my creative practice since then so thank you to both my lovely roommate Jordan and to my friend Kelly for being some of the catalysts for uh, this writing that I'm going to share. And I get so fucking nervous to share my writing. This this isn't so much a poem that I'm going to share as it is um, just yeah, a long piece of writing that I have. Um, but I get really nervous to share because it, it is like the most, most, most intimate version of my mind. And um, yeah, it's extremely personal. So I thought, why not broadcast it to thousands of people listening to this podcast? (laughs) I'm just kidding. There aren't thousands of people that listen to this. But if you're listening, I'm really grateful that you are. And I'm excited to share this piece of me with all of you. So again, heartbreak for me is such a profound teacher in my life and something that I think we're really lucky to be able to go through as human beings because it teaches us so much about ourselves and is something that is so difficult to describe and so difficult to experience and it's so physically painful and it just shifts your world completely and yet it's so universal and I think that those of us that are brave enough to really feel into that pain I think there are so many gifts there and so many ways to bring us back to ourselves and I get kind of tired of the whole argument of around self-love in terms of uh, or discussion around self-love. Like you have to love yourself first, blah, blah, blah. Like it, it just feels a little like superficial. I think it's a little more nuanced than that. Um, and I think there are just more interesting ways to have that conversation. And I find I, I find the sort of the the poppy um, love yourself first conversation is just kind of boring. And I think there's more interesting ways to talk about how we like actually really need to love ourselves in a way that's actually not nearly as sexy as it typically gets talked about. But I say all of this because 
I think that one of the important things about heartbreak is that it does bring us back to ourselves if we are willing to really go there. And it it brings us back to ourselves in all of the ways that we haven't really been willing to look at ourselves. And I can only speak for myself, but I, I do think this is a common thing that happens with heartbreak and certainly has been my experience more than once. Um, is that we can sometimes put this other person on a pedestal in terms of making them responsible for loving or uplifting certain parts of ourselves that we haven't been doing uh, on our own. And I think that kind of sometimes can happen naturally because, you know, we love this person so much and they give us so much and we want to give so much to them and we kind of rely on them for some of our happiness. And I think one of the dangers of heartbreak is that we think that being in love with someone is going to take away our loneliness. And then we realize, oh my God, no one can take away our loneliness. It just is some, it's just a feeling that exists with all of us. And uh, loneliness doesn't go away. Loneliness, yeah, sometimes loneliness stays even when other people are present, which might be an unpopular opinion. A lot of people think that we can get rid of loneliness and I really don't. And I think it's okay because it's just an emotion. But I'm saying all of this because when heartbreak sets in when a relationship ends then sometimes it can just really painfully reveal all of the parts of ourselves that we were relying on this other person to uplift and to hold and to love and now we have to do it on our own or we can go to like really unhealthy coping mechanisms like food and sex and drugs and distraction technology work and uh, have those fill that void instead, um, which don't give me, you know, I say that with like compassion, and not non-judgment, because it's not like I haven't done those things. Um, but yeah, it's usually doesn't last very long before we realize like this isn't working and I have to face, I have to face off with my own shit, uh, which I really enjoy doing. I really welcome that challenge. I think um, to speak in some more personal terms, uh, I was dating someone Uh, for a few months and yeah it felt like a really strong connection it was a really strong connection really special connection this person is really special I still I've yeah nothing but love and respect for this person Um, but yeah it was a really intense heartbreak it was a really good one and I say that just because like I learned so much and uh, as painful as it was healing from all of this over the last few months I really am so grateful for this experience and really grateful that uh, there's been so much learning and growth from it and expansion. Uh, and and for that reason, I call it a really good heartbreak. One of the other reasons this heartbreak has been so meaningful to me is because when the relationship ended and the heartbreak really set in, I had such an extraordinary amount of resentment because I was in a state uh, in my journey with myself where I felt like I didn't need to go through a challenge at that moment, (laughs) which is hilarious to think that we have like any fucking agency over that whatsoever, but I really did. (laughs) And I was like, fuck this shit. I have already learned my lessons. I have already been through heartbreak. I've already been through like more than my fair fair share of challenge in my life. This is bullshit that I need to go through this. I have nothing left to learn. Fuck you universe. I just want to like be in a happy relationship and that's that. Which is super funny because, yeah, again, we have no control over how these things happen, um, over over whether or not we're going to go through a challenge. Like, we're just going to keep going through challenges. It doesn't matter how many challenges we get. There are always more. There are always more. And it's up to us to respond to them in certain ways. And um, I've, I've just learned so much over 
the course of the last few months about myself and I really feel like I've only started to dive into it um and yeah I feel like there's there's a lot more ahead and I'm still working through some of these feelings and I'm really grateful to be emerging from the really 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 painful parts of it and uh yeah it's funny because now that we're all quarantined, I, I feel like over the last month uh, have been the times when I'm like, okay, I'm like really done with the painful part of this. Like, thank God I'm really coming out of it. And then the universe is like, no, you're going to stay with yourself by yourself for a few months. Welcome to lockdown. Here's a virus. Here's what's happening with the world. So uh, yeah, I've had even more reflection time and it's been, it's been a lot to sit with. It's been uncomfortable. It's been painful. It's been beautiful. And I really think that painful experiences are some of our strongest connectors and we can't connect with each other on those things unless we're willing to sit in that pain unless we're willing to really experience it then we can really strongly connect with one another on it and I I think that's beautiful and one of the most interesting things to me about being heartbroken is that it makes me so wide open to help and advice from others and anyone who knows me well knows that I fucking hate getting advice. I hate it. I will never ever ask for advice on things um, because I just don't find it useful. And most people are really just projecting their own shit when they are trying to give advice. I think this is true for almost anybody. And, uh, And a lot of the relational practice that I do in terms of authentic relating and all of that is like not giving each other advice and learning to just sit with each other in whatever experience is present with us. And so, but I I say all of this because heartbreak for me, it's such an interesting reversal of that for me and that I'm like, whoever's been heartbroken, just give me advice on how the fuck I'm going to survive this. And I feel really open to that. Um, So it's interesting that it becomes such a vulnerable state for me and such a a receptive state. So that's just something interesting that I've also been thinking about. Um, But I am going to share a piece of writing that uh, I've been working on for a little while and it's it's really hard to put the experience of heartbreak into words, but I tried my darndest and it's really vulnerable and personal to share. I thought a lot about not recording this. I've thought a lot about taking out huge chunks of the writing that I did because it just feels really intense. Like even reading back reading it back, I'm like, shit, I guess I really felt that way, didn't I? Like, I guess those are some really strong words, but I guess I really felt that way. Like, I I almost feel a bit removed from it, which might just be a coping mechanism to not want to revisit some of the depth of some of those feelings because it is so painful. But um, yeah, it's really real. And uh, I wrote these things in the moment of when I was feeling them. And I'm excited to share them with you, even though I'm also very nervous. I also want to say that I kind of feel like Taylor Swift right now and thinking like, <laughs> I have this fear of like, are people going to listen to this and think that like, if they date me, I'm going to write poetry and songs about them and broadcast them out to the public. Yes, I will. I write poetry about literally everyone in my life that I think is important. So uh, if you're wondering what the answer is to that, it's yes. And uh, I'll put your first name in it just the way that Taylor does. I'm just kidding. No first names, no identifying information in this. Yeah, I have nothing but love and respect for this person. And uh, all right, I guess I'm going to read this thing to you. Cool. So this poem or piece of writing is called Part One and Part Two. I don't often title things that I write, but this felt like it needed a title. Um, It's called Part One and Part Two. And I wrote Part One um, about two months ago. And I wrote it on an airplane, which is where I do a lot of good writing. 
And part two, I wrote about, I don't know, like over the course of the last few weeks. <sighs> okay. Feeling nervous. Here we go. Part one. Airports are both the happiest and the saddest places on the earth. There's so much aliveness in these walking stories, the sight of beginnings and endings that are usually long anticipated. It feels like a space full of energy that's been waiting to be released. It's the sight of ecstatic reunions and bear hugs and anticipation at seeing people or places you love, and the same sight of teary eyes and see you laters and goodbye kisses you can't end. I have cried all over the sky. I'm not sure what it is about being 36,000 feet away from the earth, but that has often been the ripest place for me to let the emotional weight of my human existence melt all over me. Tonight, I'm on United Airlines Flight 455 with service back to San Francisco. My body is made of paper. My bones don't fit inside of my skin. Tears are threatening to fall out of my face with alarming force, and I hope people can't tell that I'm breaths away from breaking. I'm able to keep it together during boarding, through the safety instructions, and all the way to pushback. But the second the wheels go up and I feel the gravity of my body resist against the rising plane, I completely lose my shit. I'm suddenly grateful for the bizarre solitude that exists on airplanes. Hundreds of people alone, together, staring ahead at the back of the seat in front of them. I'm grateful that I somehow feel like I have privacy here. I'm grateful for airplanes being so loud that you can't hear the person next to you crying, or that you're too distracted to see them shaking. I look at the flight map and watch as the plane moves further and further away from the arms of the person who I wish would hold me in this moment. I want to beg the pilot to slow down. I want to scream that I'm being hurled through time and space against my will, that a ground speed of 550 miles per hour is certainly far too fast for a heart that just remembered what being broken feels like. For a heart that just realized it was fragile enough to shatter just from him looking at me one second too long. I sit begrudgingly on this plane, remembering how he used to tell me that when he thought about our potential future, he imagined us being on airplanes together, traveling the world. This thought makes me feel both sick to my stomach and one inch deeper in love all at the same time. When we land, I realize we're coming into the same gate I left from when I took a flight to San Diego the morning after we first kissed. The universe is so incredibly cruel sometimes. I remember the feelings I felt when I was last at that gate, how everything felt shiny and new and exciting and ridiculous and light. When I was last at that gate, the last time he had touched me had been the only time he had touched me. I remember how the electricity was still coursing through my skin even 24 hours later, where it would remain for the next several months. Where it still lives now waiting to be occupied by some new charge. I'm struck by all of the instances of time travel in my life, how we're unknowingly imprinting memories in every place we ever go, and we won't associate feeling to those memories until some stark contrast in our life appears to make it obvious that we're somewhere new while still being in the same place. 
When I get back home and walk into my room, I'm immediately struck by how same it looks as before I left it. The energy in the room hasn't adjusted to the seismic fault line that's taken form. The room, unlike my body, doesn't know there's been a war. I think of how blissfully naive I was the last time I was in this room just a few days ago. I resent that version of me. In fact, I hate that version of me. I hate the woman who was blind to the pain that was upcoming, who was so alive in love, who didn't anticipate that this would all dissolve in a matter of months, weeks, days, moments, thoughts, words, glances, blinks. I hate her. And I'm also so jealous of her. I'm jealous of how loved she felt. I feel so far away from that version of myself, it doesn't even feel like it was me. I'm amazed at the human body's ability to still do things, even when the heartbreak pain is causing brief and spontaneous fits of crying so hard that I can't breathe. It feels like a truck is driving on my chest sometimes, but usually it's the knife in the stomach feeling that makes my body become concave with emotion. And yet still, I'm managing to put on mascara and answer emails and cook dinner. I'm horrified at the potentiality of this feeling lasting for the next several months when even one more second feels impossible. Part 2 Time does not heal your wounds, but it does give you space to sit with them. Those first few months were fucking brutal, but here we are, on the other side, the place I wasn't sure I'd ever get to. Through all the pain and the sobbing and the anger and the reflection and the stillness, I'm emerging. Truthfully, the only reason I made it through part one was the possibility of writing a part two. There are a few things I wish I could have known to tell myself as I willingly went face to face with this pain. First, you will be more tender than you've been in a long time, for a long time. You will be impatient with yourself as this grief lasts way longer than you think it has any business to, and you will feel mostly alone as you deal with it. You will still get through it. You are fully equipped with everything you need to walk into this pain. For those first few weeks, you will wake up each morning and swear that you can feel his body wrapped around yours. It's not. It won't be. He is not there. He is not going to call you. It doesn't matter how badly you want him to or how much you think he might or how adamantly you think he should. He is not going to. This is okay. This pain is going to be extraordinary, and it will actually be much worse than you feared. And it will not feel beautiful, but it will be beautiful. It is possible to be both very broken and very strong at the same time. Though, out of habit, you will mostly discount the part of you that is being strong. Don't. You're amazing. Eventually, not everything is going to remind you of him, and eventually you will start to have moments where you realize you've gone five whole minutes without thinking about him or what went wrong, and then those five minutes will become ten or thirty or half a day. This will be both incredibly relieving and only add to your grief. 
Eventually, your body will stop feeling like a cage of screams you can't let out. But it will take a while. This pain will break you open to a new level of yourself you've never discovered before. This is good. Be patient as you start exploring this part of your being. It deserves a lot of love. You will learn so much about yourself and how you must be loved and listened to. Everything about this healing process will be confronting. It will be ugly and unreasonable and difficult. And through it, you will meet the parts of you that are confronting and ugly and unreasonable and difficult. And for the first time in your life, you will start to love those things. Because you are brave enough to willingly sit with your pain, you get to love yourself better and be loved better. This will bring some of the most profoundly sweet feelings you've ever felt. Last, you are going to think that this pain is going to kill you. And then the most incredible thing is going to happen. You will keep living. Day after day, every morning, you'll keep waking up. Against all the odds you bet against yourself, you'll just keep being alive each day. I've spent a lot of time sitting with this over the last four months. It's been really messy, and I honestly wouldn't change a thing about it. I think it's beautiful that hearts, particularly mine, feel so much and hurt so much and heal so much. Heartbreak is undeniable and merciless and inconvenient and fruitful and revelatory and profound. It's a teacher. All good teachers bring you back to yourself, and this one sure as hell did just that. I am so grateful for you. I am so grateful for the dizzying excitement you brought into my being in those first few months. I am so grateful that you showed me new ways of being listened to and looked at and touched. I am so grateful for the ways that you've expanded my world and that I am truly changed because of it. I am so grateful that our connection and the loss of it was the forceful catalyst that moved me closer to the parts of myself that I abandoned. To love well means to allow your heart to open when love appears. To love well means to get your heart ripped apart when love leaves. To love well means to crawl into the dark space where love used to live. And to love well means to sit long enough in that darkness that you find that the love was you the entire time. 